0: Hi Sam.
1: Hi Lauren.
0: Are you ready to talk about Secret in Their
1: Eyes? I am because after all, we are the We watch- are the watchers
0: of <laughs> movies.
1: <laughs> that was a little bit off because we are recording separately due to Quarantining... Yeah. Social distancing, I guess, is what it's called.
0: Yeah. We're... Uh, so instead of staring at Sam for an hour, I'm going to stare at my screen for an hour.
1: <laughs> it's an upgrade. No. <laughs>
0: um, no, this social distancing thing is, like, is it's super rough. weird. Um, it is rough. It's... It, it, like Oh, so last night I went to my parents' place. And, um... So it's Friday night and I'm out on 28th street, which you and I both know is like a crazy busy street. Yeah. And there was like maybe all of five cars. It was freaking spooky. Like there was no one in the mall, no one in the mall parking lot. You know, like when I come out of my, um, when I come out of that, that road that I'm on, I can see like right into the mall. Parking oh, right. lot, And there was like, Nothing in there, and it was just—I mean, it was insane. Like it took me two seconds to do a left turn when it usually takes me like I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't even attempt. Forever. I never even <laughs> attempt a left turn from that intersection because it's so busy. It's terrible. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's I think nasty. the malls are closed even so.
0: I think so too, but it's just like—I I guess for some reason I like wasn't expecting it to be. As dead as it was and when I'm like pulling out of the you know I was pulling out of the the road I was just like what is going on (laughs) you know like it was just it was just freaking me out and it like gave me a bunch of anxiety because I I just wasn't used to seeing that, you know, and I'm used to seeing the streets so busy that I was just like, this is insane, this is crazy. Yeah, you know? I drove to my parents' house across um,
1: town earlier this week and I usually take the highway and I take it pretty much rush hour because I usually go right after work and the highway was, like, clear and easy. There was a few cars, it wasn't empty, but it was really weird to drive through the busiest section of the highway at rush hour with... I don't know, 10 other cars around me, maybe, even, maybe not even that.
0: Right. Are you, and you're usually, like, do you usually have the kind of traffic that's, like, start and stop? It's
1: not quite that bad, but there's, I mean, it's, it's kind of hectic to try to, like, change lanes and, and things like that. But it was just, right. yeah, clear as far as the eye can see. It was weird. But it, I was... I was really telling weird. you yesterday that since we've been working at home all week and I haven't really been going out that it kind of it's easy to forget that something is happening like I'm just in my apartment yeah. all day, every day so I kind of forget that like that there's actually something kind of scary going on I don't know if that makes sense because I do check the news I'm not totally hold away or anything but since I I don't really encounter many people, and I'm just staying in this 750 square foot apartment most of the time. <laughs> it's kind of easy to just forget the outside world even exists. in, in some aspects, you know, the only difference is no. I like, know. Sometimes I'll be like, "Oh, I have to go to the store and pick up something," and then I think, oh, "I don't want to go for just like a flippant reason," you know. So I, so I avoid that.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I don't want to, I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't want to just go. And also, you know, I went to like Meijer, which is like one of the, you know, for those who are not living in Michigan, (laughs) those are one of those, uh, you know, big name, like Target type stores, but more like a grocery store. And it was just, I don't know, there's too many people there and like. It was just, I didn't want to like be there, you know, like I was feeling too anxious. I was like, I don't, I don't know what kind of people these are. Like, are these the kind of people that suddenly realize that they have to wash their hands? And so they bought a bunch of soap when before they like were just living on, I don't know like, scraps or whatever, you know, like, you know, like, am I surrounding myself with these kind of people that just learned to wash their hands and they're 50 years old? That's disgusting. I I can't handle it.
1: If they're washing their hands now, better late than never, but I was, I went, I went shopping last weekend to do my main grocery shopping, and I went early in the morning. I went pretty much as soon as the store opened, and there was a guy, a young guy, he was younger than me in the checkout lane. And he was just like inching closer and closer and closer to me. Not, not in a creepy way, just in like an oblivious way. And I don't even like that on a normal day when there isn't a a pandemic. And it was driving me insane. Like I had to reach into his space to put my card in the card reader. And I thought, surely he'll notice that I'm but he's in my space. And he just stood there totally oblivious the whole time. And I was really annoyed because on a good day, that would annoy me. But in times like this, just, what are you doing? You know? I So that kind of, that bugged yeah. me. Yeah.
0: But... Well, yeah. And it's like, it's like, what is there not enough room for you, buddy? <laughs> like in this world, you have to impede in my space too. Like move back, man. And it's, <clears throat> especially since... It's the type of thing where, you know, like, you know that there's something going on and not you, but like this guy, you know, he knows that there's something going on. There's a pandemic in this world and he is just like all in your space and stuff like that. And it's like, dude, back the fuck off. Like, buddy, like, yeah, I know. I get it. And that's that's the same thing that happened with me and that woman who was like right behind me. And I don't know how long she was behind me oh damn it hold on he's on the you have to get off the tv buddy come on ah i can't throw i just tried to throw shit at him and he doesn't do
1: anything get off the tv get off the tv lauren has her lauren has her dad staying with her right now so that's who she's currently <laughs> yelling at he's very mischievous <laughs> he
0: won't get off the tv Anyway, yeah, no, it's, it's like, you know, with that woman standing behind me at Meyer, and she was, like, touching me and I'm like, no, don't, uh uh-uh, don't, don't touch, first of all, like, what makes you think it's okay to touch me even if this quarantine wasn't happening? Yeah, well, so she was. You know, like, you're still in my personal space. Was she, like, pushing,
1: like, sort of pushing you in, moving forward and just kind of being pushy, basically?
0: No, she was, like, trying to get around me, but she was, like touching my, I think it was like my hip or something or like my lower back, but it was enough where it was like kind of an intimate, yeah, it was like an intimate thing. And I was like, no, don't touch me. You know, like don't get near me, especially since it's like maybe have some awareness because there's an, (laughs) like a, a pandemic going on in this world and like the government Of like governments around the world are shut down, so what are you doing, getting all up in my space and touching me? It just weirded me out. It was like I I just I'm like, how are you that oblivious? That's weird behavior. I think it's
1: weird. Like even if you if you isolate the situation and pluck it out and put it in, like March. 2019 when none of this was happening it would make me equally uncomfortable I'd say what are you why are you touching oh, me oh I totally agree everyone's gonna get their turn oh, you don't yeah. have to touch me you don't have to push me if you want to get around me you could say excuse me it's it's weird behavior I,
0: I just think as a general rule people should just like not touch each other if they're not yeah. like close <laughs> I think know? there are people that like, are just touchy
1: <clears throat> and I think that that's yeah it's not necessarily and I don't think they mean anything by it. I think it's just their nature, but I think if you're if your urge is to touch people you you might want to like try try to think yeah. about it before you approach somebody and try to avoid that because i I don't think I think more people dislike it than people like it
0: I think so too, but also it's it's the type of thing where what if someone had previously been in a situation? where they had been assaulted or something and so touching them is like is like a big deal to them you know it, it's just it's just being conscientious like being conscientious of other people around you and realizing that hey not everyone is going to be a touchy-feely person like you so maybe don't touch people yeah so um we both started watching this show unbelievable or when did you start watching it
1: I started watching it a while ago i mentioned it on an episode a previous episode i mentioned that i had started watching it but it's it's pretty heavy so i wasn't binging it but now that i'm stuck at home uh i have turned it on and when you get to like episode two and the detectives the detective characters come into play it's Almost really hard to turn it off after that point. Except that the subject matter is pretty heavy, so yeah, <laughs> I, big um, time. I try not to. I haven't really binged it, but I have been watching it continuously. Like I watched multiple episodes this week over the course of multiple days because it's it's so good. The characters, the the performances. I mean, by Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver are phenomenal. Oh, man. Just, I love I Merritt Weaver. Rave about their <laughs> Performances enough. She's so good, and the just the differences in the investigations between the stories. Oh yeah, it's it's an incredible, incredible TV show, and it's based on a true story, and it's really yeah. Sad. <laughs>
0: um, I love Toni Collette and anything she does. Really, um, and she's so good. She's so expressive, and she's so good at playing so many different kinds of characters. Well, you know, she's an actress, <laughs> so that's good.
1: <laughs> well, no, but I think like so- some actors and actresses aren't necessarily good at playing different characters like Vin yeah. Diesel is really good at playing an action star, but I don't think he could play the president of the United States. No, so I think it is a compliment to say that somebody is versatile like Tom Hanks. He's versatile. He's really good at playing many different characters. Tony Collette is versatile. So I don't I don't think. I think you were giving a good comment. Oh, compliment.
0: okay. Yeah, no, I think that there are... I mean, obviously, you and I have talked about it before on here um, about certain actors <laughs> or actresses who <laughs> really either play the same role or they're not, like, playing to their strengths or whatever, but she's just... She's good in whatever she does. I mean, she's amazing. Um, it's It's just such a heavy subject, and it just makes you so angry that certain people reacted to this girl's assault in the way that they did and, like, not believing her and, like, turning their back on her. And I, it, it just – it, it kind of just makes you go, like, what the hell? Like, what you know, this girl's dying for emotional support. Yeah. And all these people who she trusted turned her back on her or turn their back on her. And now – you know, like, it's just, oh, it's such a mess. And, you know, there's that, there's that podcast episode on NPR. What was it? The Anatomy of a Lie or whatever.
1: It's from the show, This American Life. And the episode is called Anatomy of yeah. Doubt. And that's the first time I ever heard this story. And it's an amazing episode. Um, they have interviews with the real people that were involved. And the real girl, Marie, who was initially assaulted and the one who wasn't believed and interviews from her foster parents and from the detectives on the case. So, even if you don't necessarily want to watch the show cuz the show has some pretty graphic imagery, I I would say that the the rape scenes are not as graphic as like a normal sex scene in an R-rated movie, but they are graphic because they're kind of shadowed and scary. Yeah. So you do see you do see some things but not necessarily as much as in like a normal sex scene but it's still so heavy that it's you see enough I, you don't want to see it yeah and they're you know? very they're so very if brief you don't, if you too don't...
0: the scenes where you see yeah the assault right. um they only last for like i don't know maybe two seconds or something they're very brief but
1: yeah they're like two <clears> second <throat> snippets that the girls sort of remember so if you if you feel like maybe those images or that time commitment of watching the show isn't for you but you want to know the story i would highly recommend looking up the episode on this american life because it's it's very powerful it'll make you mad and it it packs a punch it'll make you
0: real mad yeah, yeah it'll, it'll make, make you, you angry. real mad it'll make you very very angry
1: <laughs> i would recommend actually since we're on the subject this american life is probably my favorite it's a radio show but i listen to it i listen to the archives and everything as podcasts basically. And I, I would give it three thumbs up if I had an extra <laughs> arm. It's my favorite. So yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's uh it's good. Yeah, for sure. It, it's, um, it's definitely heavy, but I think it's, it's important to also be aware that there is a rape culture out there. And this, this story is like the epitome of rape culture. And, it's just like, it's just so important to like realize that, you know, you, you can't blame the victim, and you have to like trust and accept other like and, and and offer emotional support to the people who need it the most. You know,
1: I think the saddest part is they didn't believe her. She didn't name somebody. She didn't know who raped her because he snuck in at night and was wearing a mask. So she never pointed her finger at anybody and people still didn't believe her. Because I think it seems to me like if you're saying, Hey, this specific man raped me, I think people are more apt to not believe you because they'd be like, we know this guy, he's the best, you know, and that's really sad. But in this case, she didn't even do that. And they still didn't believe her. And that is so sad. I, I just think that, Believe the victim because you can never say that somebody is feeling something incorrectly because they they didn't like her reaction and that's to why it. they didn't believe her and so they yeah so you can never tell somebody that what they're feeling well, and it's funny is is incorrect uh, <clears throat> or how they're dealing with shock is incorrect yeah. I guess
0: and it's funny because I actually saw a post on like Pinterest about disassociating and. How she behaved was, had a lot of the signs of disassociation, just kind of like this numbness, this quietness, you know, like she just was like staring in the space a lot. And I, I'm like, I don't know. To me, it looked like she was traumatized. It looked like she didn't know how to react to a, a really scary situation. And so she just reacted how she did. And I just, I don't know why so many people were ready, readily willing to believe that she had not been assaulted when, to me, the fact that she was so quiet and she was so distant seemed like it was a sign of trauma. And everyone was just like, nope, she's lying.
1: Yeah, on the on the episode of, on the This American Life episode, one of the foster moms said, if I had been raped, I would be crying. And I thought, well, that's not a very good basis for, like, any sort of investigative yeah, I- argument. Like, well, if I stubbed my toe, I would cuss really loud. But if my mom stubbed her toe, she wouldn't. So does that mean she stubbed her toe? She didn't yeah, actually no, stub and her toe. You know what I mean?
0: <clears throat> like, to me, how I react to certain situations is I get frustrated. I cry. I'm upset. I cry. I'm a crier. And then I, and then there's this other girl I know who I'm not, I'm not going to name names, but she is very stoic. And I was thinking about her actually while I was watching the show and how she was just, she's a very stoic and distant person. And if something like that happened to me, I would cry and I would freak out and I would be losing my shit, you know, having a breakdown. But someone like her would not because that's just not how she is. And it's just, I, I, I mean, you can't ever base how someone reacts to trauma on whether or not it's the truth because that's stupid. And like, and again, like what you said, that's has no evidence whatsoever to what really happened. And also like, <laughs> I mean, wh- what? Like it's, it's trauma. People are tra- like, it's trauma. Like you just, you react to trauma in how you react and that's it. That's, that's the end of the story. It does not have a defined parameter of reactions and you can't, And I don't know. And, and that, I think that's just what made me so angry was that everyone's like, oh, well, she didn't react the way that I thought she did. So she's lying. And it's like, okay. Sit down, shut up, and maybe think logically for a second here before jumping to conclusions. You know?
1: Right. And I think there's also a correlation. Um, her investigation was done by yeah. male detectives, and the later investigations for the other women that were raped were done by Merritt Weaver's character and Tony Collette's character. And as female detectives, they had a lot more empathy for the victims. Than the male detectives did, and also they discuss in the show, and I think this actually ties in really well to the movie we did today. They discuss that um, in within investigations, murder investigations get a lot more coverage than yeah. rape investigations, <laughs> and so that is also sort of a prevailing notion of the culture that rape doesn't quite have the, the gravity that murder does in terms of police response and how long they'll investigate something. So I thought that I think that's really interesting as well. And I, I think that possibly if she had had female detectives on her case, it might not have gone the way it did because they might have been more empathetic to what happened to her.
0: So did you want to start talking about the movie? Yeah. All right. Okay. What did you
1: think of it? I'm very excited.
0: Okay, so um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I was super disturbed by the ending. Like, we'll yeah, like we'll yeah. get there, but like I was sitting. I was at my parents' place. I watched it with my parents, and um, I was sitting there for like twenty minutes, just like, whoa, like whoa. I I mean, I I couldn't even. I just I know the
1: twist at the end is <laughs> insane it's
0: fucked up it's so fucked up and it, it was yeah I mean I think we should get there I think we should let let's get there first let's discuss let's discuss um the rest of the film I gotta pull up the synopsis because you know I have like a really bad memory
1: <laughs> uh, she watched it last night
0: yeah terrible memory
1: <laughs> like Drew Barrymore in 51st States
0: Yeah, every day is a new day for me. Um, (laughs) I'm like, what? I will
1: say... um, I'm married and
0: have children. I had no idea. (laughs) I hate that movie, by the way.
1: (laughs) I like Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler, so I'll pretty much forgive them for anything because I think that they're... I like any movie they've made together. I even enjoyed Blended. Oh,
0: I never saw so, blended, but um I'm
1: not I'm not telling anybody to watch them, but I'm saying me personally, Samantha, I I'm a Drew Barrymore Adam Sandler fan, so they really can't do any wrong.
0: It's so funny. <laughs> you and I like the difference between Cuz her and I were talking about Jackie Chan and I was like, "Oh, I like Jackie Chan. I think anything I see him in I like." And she's like, "No," <laughs> and I was like, "Uh, okay."
1: <laughs> it's um, it's not necessarily him personally. Uh, I just know that his movies are going to be full of zany fight scenes that are going to bore me. So if I if somebody's like, "And starring Jackie Chan," I'll be like, "Oh well, now I don't have to see that movie." So thank you for telling me he's in it. <laughs> I just I get bored during like ridiculous long fight scenes, and when the and when the plot is so contingent on fight scenes that starts to really bother me as well. So. I, That's yeah.
0: funny. Cause I love the fight for scenes. some movies. I think they're really like, fun.
1: <laughs> like in movies like Lord of the Rings or Avengers or things of that nature, the fight scenes don't bother me as much cause they're innovative, but yeah, I know, there's just something about like movies like the, the born, the born movies. Yeah. Whenever there's like fighting, I think, okay, this is fine. Let's get back to the story. I don't care about the fighting, you know, or. Right. So. I just See, I'm the opposite.
0: Because I... like Lord of the Rings, I thought had way too long fight scenes. Like I was like, okay, yep, we get e- it. Epic
1: medieval battle scenes. You're not a fan? <laughs> no, I'm not a fan I of epic medieval amazing. battle
0: scenes. Um, They're
1: so good. I love them. I, I love it when Legolas and Gimli are at Helm's Deep and they're like counting their kills. I don't know, it's funny. Anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think that's just another another like like we're just we're just so different in our movie tastes, which I think is why this works so well, you know. Um because I, for example, I do like some Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore movies, but you know, I hated 51st Days. Like, I thought it was super creepy. And, I mean, I just, I, it was just so creepy to me. Like, it really weirded me out. I was like, mm-mm, nope, this is not. <laughs> anyway.
1: He just had to make her fall in love with him again every day. Yeah, recently. but. Not make her. I guess that doesn't sound consensual. But...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. I, I think that, I mean, we don't have to get into it, but there's a woman with a serious brain injury and i feel just like this dude's taking advantage of her every single day instead of being in a place where she actually like really needs mental health like mental like help you know like me- mental health so she
1: should you're saying she should be put in an asylum
0: <laughs> no like... i'm not saying that i'm just saying that they're in like the what the I'm middle just, of okay. the ocean <laughs> like
1: her dad was there though she was it wasn't just the two of them weren't
0: they on a sailboat or something
1: yeah okay see that's my first problem okay well so i want to get back to the movie because people are people are itching to know what we thought about it and i wanted to say about the movie speaking of adam sandler and drew barrymore this is my segue i've never had a problem with julia roberts i've always enjoyed julia roberts i think she's She's an an actress that is opposite Tony Collette. She's more like a Vin Diesel. Her characters are very similar most of the time, but not in a bad way. I think she's consistent. She's sort of like Tom Cruise for me. If if she's going to be in a movie, I know that her performance is going to be solid, Yeah, and I'm not going to have a problem with it. And a lot of people, oddly, throughout the years, a lot of people have problems with Julia Roberts, but I, I never have. I've always enjoyed her performances and i think she makes generally pretty good movie decisions and i i think she's i think she's great i have no problems with her
0: i kind of put her as the same level as like sandra bullock i think sandra bullock might be i mean that's a good thing i i really like sandra bullock i think sandra bullock might be a little bit more talented than her but I think, again, it's, like, the same thing. Like, generally, Sandra Bullock makes pretty decent movies. I mean, there's been a couple here and there, like The Proposal, which was weird. But...
1: I liked that. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I'm just... No, I'm just... I'm just... I was just messing with you. Okay. But I did actually kind of think it was entertaining. Oh, But my I don't God. like the premise.
0: It's so funny because I hated it. <laughs> I was like, this really creepy. I wouldn't really say...
1: Creepy. I wouldn't say that it's a good movie, but I kind of, I I like Ryan Reynolds, so.
0: I do too. I, I think, think he's funny. And
1: I feel like there's sort of a, I don't, we don't have to get into this, but anyway, I, I'm not as big of a fan of Sandra Bullock as you are. So
0: okay. Okay. Yeah. Um No, I think that Julia Roberts, I agree with you. I think that I, I don't. I can honestly say, off the top of my head, I don't think I've ever seen a movie of hers where I didn't at least go like, okay, yeah, you know? I mean, right. I didn't like Pretty Woman, but that's just kind of my own thing. That's not necessarily a performance issue. It's just, I just didn't like it. Um. So, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think, I think she's a very talented actress. I think she's very solid in what she does. She has a tendency to... um. Just provide good performances for the movies that she's in, you know?
1: Yeah. I think she's she's solid, and directors can count on her, I think. And that's a good trait.
0: Yeah, I agree. So, okay. So they first introduce um, Chuital Ejiofor, and um, that scene where they found Carolyn's body in the dumpster. So I was watching with my parents and my mom was crying really hard. And I had seen that scene before and I did not, I got emotional because it's a very emotional scene, but I didn't cry. But hearing her crying, like it made me start to cry. You know what I mean? Like I was like, cause I just, I knew what she was thinking. I knew that she was thinking like, she's got two daughters, you know, she's my sister and I, and being in that type of situation where you find your daughter's dead body in a dumpster is, I, I mean, devastating. How do you, how do you move on from that? And her, oh, and her reaction, like my mom's reaction was so, it's so
1: intense. It's
0: just, it, it, I'm, I tend to be, I call it a sympathetic crier, but especially when I see my mom cry, I will start crying. You know, it's like, Cause I mean I love her. Seeing someone that's you love in pain yeah. and and distress, it, it how can you not feel you know that that spike of empathy or that spike of emotion associated with that? Because it, I don't you know I don't want to see her crying. And so, but I mean, Julie Roberts' reaction was so good. I mean. so good, so heartbreaking and awful and just like every part of me, like, I'm getting getting emotional talking about this now, like I can feel myself getting a little choked up because it was such a good scene. It was so emotionally driven.
1: Her performance in that scene was outstanding because when they first arrive at the scene, they think it It's just a run-of-the-mill sort of, we found a body in a dumpster, and she's joking around with the other people, saying, okay, you guys are going to want to pay attention, we're collecting evidence, and she's sort of talking down to them, and then Ray, the character played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, Ray goes to the dumpster first, and he recognizes it, and he is taken over by emotion and he walks over to julia roberts character jess her name is jess in the movie he walks over to her and she's like lighthearted. her face is happy and he's freaking out and he can't even talk yet and the change that she goes through in this moment of non-verbal communication is amazing because she sees how upset he is and he can't get words out and she slowly starts to get as upset as he is and she doesn't even know what's what's happening but she knows that it's going to be something intense and i i thought that that moment was just a a really great performance from both of them but specifically oh yeah they have a lot expression they have a lot of nonverbal, um is pretty amazing
0: kind of communication scenes in this movie and the two of them together are they're very good at Mm -hmm. you know um Acting off each other's emotions, um, I mean, I thought the cast was great. I I love Chiotel, as Ch- Chiotel, 4. I I love him. I'll see anything he's in. Honestly, like I'm a huge fan. <laughs> like I don't. I think the I think the first thing I ever saw him in was Kinky Boots, and he was a drag queen in that. And he had it, it's with uh, Joel Edgerton, and. Yeah, and it's a Joel Edgerton has a um he makes shoes oh, okay. for a living like he has like a factory a shoe factory, and Chiuatell Four wants to buy some shoes from him but he wants like sexy like 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 thigh length boots you know like sexy boots kinky boots <laughs> and he has this amazing monologue where he talks about the color red and it's. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell it because it's, it's just so good. Like he's so full of passion and it's, it's worth it. It's, it's worth seeing that movie. It's cute and it's funny and it's lighthearted and it's very like, it's a cute movie, you know, it's happy. It'll make you, make you feel good, you know? Um, but that's the first thing I ever saw him in and I was like, who is this powerhouse of a man? I love him. Let's watch everything he's ever done <laughs> well, not every everything, but I've seen a lot of stuff, yeah, he's very good <laughs> yeah um, he's really so he's okay really good in this movie so then they introduce um Claire Nicole Kidman's character, and my <laughs> my mom's like. She's like, they loved each other. And I was like, yes, thank you. I can tell. <laughs> like, from the moment that they looked at each other, I could tell that there was, like, something going on between them.
1: <laughs> yeah, the movie has basically, like, two plots. Like, the plot of Julia Roberts' daughter getting raped and murdered, and then the plot of I know. Ray and Claire loving each other but never being together. <laughs> it's, like, both stories take almost as much screen time and I really like that. I like that they sort of have crushes no, on each other, but he, there's there's no romantic storyline. You know, it doesn't it doesn't get bogged down right. by by something like by a tryst or any sort they of. They like hookup. they
0: hold torches for each it's other just for like, like they both twelve have years. Crushes on each other essentially.
1: Yeah, i I think this is an interesting movie about um, how the daughter. Right. Well, at the end, he talks. They, they say the phrase life sentence. Um, like, the daughter is the one that gets murdered, but all three of them, basically, their lives right. as they knew it sort of ended when she was murdered, you know? So I think it's a really interesting commentary on, like, time and regrets and mistakes and, yeah, an obsession and how just because you're alive doesn't mean you're not, not wasting your life. But I mean like 13 years go by in this movie and it's like, they're all like him and yeah. Jess at least are in the same yeah. well, spot. They and were. the only
0: one who seems to have really kind of moved Does on is, um, is Claire and she's a DA now or no. Yeah. She's a district attorney now, yeah. which is awesome. Um, And, you know, they're both kind of like both Mm -hmm. Ray and Jess are are, you know, Ray is still every single night. He's going through this database of these different men and trying to find Marzen, who is the killer of the daughter. Um, And I mean, he's obsessed with it. He's spending his life every Mm -hmm. single night for hours and hours going through these pictures for 12, 13, 12 years. And that, and I think it was part of why, to me, like the ending was so disturbing and devastating was because how much time he spent on this. And then you're like, oh my God, the ending is like, what? <laughs> you know, like you are just, it's so shocking. It's, it, you're just not prepared for it.
1: I think there's, there's an interesting aspect of the movie that ray yeah. and jess and claire are on like a counterterrorism force within the fbi i guess and so they're in charge of watching a mosque and this this part of the story takes place in 2002 so september 11th has recently happened so and they're in los angeles and they don't want a terrorist attack to happen in los angeles so they're on this like counterterrorism task force and they're watching this mosque, and the person who rapes and murders, or the prime suspect, the person that they have narrowed it down, who has raped and murdered Jess's daughter, is the, um, the... Informant? The word? Informant, who has yeah. infiltrated the mosque. And so... They don't want to the they being like the FBI and the higher ups don't want to investigate him for rape and murder because he's giving them so much counter terrorism intelligence within the mosque. So that's yeah.
0: why
1: that's why Ray sort of takes it into his own hands because they're they they do not want to do anything because terrorism trumps rape and murder, basically. And that and sort I thought of fuels his fire.
0: Yeah, I think that was an I thought that was an interesting um kind of like a moral qualm almost because oh, big
1: time not even almost like for sure oh, big
0: time yeah because it's like okay so this guy is obviously a brutal you know a brutal human being who has no problem uh, taking the life of a woman and assaulting her but at the same time like how far do you go before you go okay is it more important for this guy to still be on the streets because he might stop several more people or do we, you know, do we, um, put him in prison for what he's done? And it's just like, it, it, you're, it, I was kind of in the, I I kind of just, I didn't even really know like what would I do in that situation? You know what I mean? And, um, it's such a scary prospect because just because he has done this once doesn't mean that he's going to stop. You know, he could do it again and he could do it to many other women. But also, what if you're saving thousands of lives, you know? And, and it's very, it's very it's interesting. It's like a trolley,
1: the trolley problem. Basically. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, okay.
1: I guess, I think that everybody was so scared of another terrorist attack. They're, they are sort—they were sort of blinded to immediate justice. And I think that that is definitely an oversight. Because I think they could have, if they knew that he was the guy, they could have tried to slowly incorporate another informant within the mosque. And over time prosecute him for the rape and murder once they had somebody else in place but i think the movie speaks of just the fear the general fear
0: well and i was, think the oh, oh sorry what were you saying
1: just the general fear that was sort of rampant right after september 11th and so that sort of fear can i think cloud your judgment
0: yeah basically. i mean i i from the perspective of, uh, what was that one guy's name, that shitty cop, um,
1: Seifert?
0: Yeah, Seifert. So, uh, from the perspective of Seifert, I could kind of understand why he didn't push the matter further. I, I just, I, 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 and I think a big part of it too was that it's, they felt like they were on a, a very short timeline because they didn't know when the next terrorist attack was going to happen, if it was even going to happen. And also, it could happen the next day. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen a week from now, a month. You know, they don't know. And so I, I could see why they were unwilling to take Marzen out of the situation, even if he was a, a you know, a, a dangerous predator, because it's the idea that what if we do this now, and the next day or in a month from now, there's a terrorist attack and we could have stopped it by using this guy's knowledge.
1: Yeah, exactly. So. I don't know. I think. It was a difficult situation, but I also think it was weird that. That they would completely overlook murder, rape and murder. Yeah, that they would completely overlook it seemed crazy to me.
0: Me too. And especially since if this guy is capable of taking the life of another human being, is every piece of information that he's giving them even true?
1: That's that's another thing. If he's that, I guess, unsavory, why would they trust him as an informant?
0: Right. I mean, yeah. they can't even trust him to not go out and murder someone. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, let's put things in perspective here for a second. What? <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: yeah. Just, so that was, yeah. it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting movie about just what fear does and what different people with different agendas can accomplish. So she was, and she was raped in a van. And the the FBI guy, Seifert, the bad cop not bad, but the guy who, who wasn't very kind and who had direct contact with um, Marzin, the guy who raped the girl. He found the van first and he burned it because right. he didn't want them to find evidence of her rape and convict him.
0: And I thought that was really messed up. Mm-hmm. It was like it's one thing to... It's one thing to set up a Patsy, which is what he did with, um, who was it? Gazala. Oh, um, yeah. But He
1: had somebody, like, false confess yeah. to get them off the trail.
0: And then Ray was like, you know, then Ray beat the crap out of Seaford.
1: <laughs> which
0: <laughs> I didn't think was the appropriate reaction either, but whatever. Um, but, so, I mean, but to... It's one thing to set up a patsy, and it's a whole other thing to completely destroy evidence that links this awful person to this awful crime and just be like, no, I need him to be around because I need him to, you know, be my informant. But it's also like, but okay, but... Why would you do that? Why and well and they say that it wasn't it wasn't him that destroyed it. Well, I mean yes, he physically destroyed the evidence, but he wasn't the one that made the decision. It was uh, Alfred Molina's character Morales.
1: Oh yeah, the main yeah. like the head of the yeah
0: right, um, and, and 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 God Morales, I could have kicked in the head. He. Uh, so, like, when they first introduce him and and Ray is talking to Claire and he's like, yeah, Morales is going to ask you out to lunch. Like, you know, it would mean a lot to me if you didn't say yes. Um, and then he did. I was like, ew. <laughs> it was like he seems like a little bit of a predatory. And I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking this, but I got a little predatory vibe from him too. And he he just – he just didn't seem as concerned as he should have been to the fact that one of his own people, her daughter got raped and murdered, you know? And yeah,
1: I thought everyone seemed a little bit cold about the whole situ- about the whole situation. I thought everyone yeah. seemed kind of cold. And it was really weird that nobody was like, you know, we're going to find this guy. They were all like, no, let the cops take care of it. Let the other people take care of it. Our job is terrorism. I would think I, it seemed so heartless the way everybody was it just did. Sort of brushing it off.
0: Well, and it, it was heartless and it was heartbreaking because mm-hmm. this woman is suffering and everyone, and not to mention, but everyone sees her, like everyone witnesses her first reaction to her daughter being in that dumpster. Like no one, it's not like people are unaware of what happened. They literally saw her you know her absolute total breakdown over seeing her daughter in the dumpster and you know one of the things too that really like stood out to me too was when she was in she was holding her daughter's body and she's going help me help me and i was yeah. just like <sighs> it was just so sad so it's just so sad so good of a, of a performance. I, I, yeah. Uh, she's uh, so it was good. Amazing. She's so good. Like, whew, ah, that made me, Um, it definitely made me feel something. It made me feel um, like I, I, I was, so last night I was talking to a friend and I was talking about when you feel different emotions in different parts of your body. And then th- that sounds kind of weird, but like for me, anxiety is like my upper chest, but when I'm disturbed or when I'm upset, it's like my diaphragm. It's like right in the middle of my diaphragm. And when, and also like, and so when I'm feeling like emotional, it's like in my throat and the middle of my chest. And that's just like what I was thinking with when I was talking about that just now was that I was getting that like choked out feeling in my throat and like my middle chest. And, um, it's just i mean you know to have a a visceral reaction to something like that i think just shows how strong the performances were and how well written this this movie was too you know and actually yeah, I, it's a it's a remake so it's it was a book it was like a book written in spanish and then there was a a movie and then they made it into an american film
1: oh really i yeah. didn't know that
0: Cause I was looking at, so when I was looking at pictures to put on the Insta, um, I kept seeing, it's like called like El Secret, El Secreto de los Ojos or whatever, which is like the secret in their eyes or whatever, the secret in the eyes. And, um, I was like, is this the same movie, but like. In a, like a remake, or <laughs> like a you know, like was this the original? And so, and then when I was watching the film, and they they said they mentioned that it was like written, you know, by whatever, and it was based on the book, blah blah blah. I was like, okay, so they are the same film, just you know, just that hmm. Americans, I, yeah, I didn't know that. Don't like to read subtitles, so <laughs> they hardly yeah, ever. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Cause that's the same with Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky was um, was a Spanish speaking film, and then they made oh. they remake. Yeah, the the Spanish speaking film was called Abre los ojos, which means open your eyes, oh, okay. and the then Vanilla Sky, they remade into the the English speaking one. Penelope hmm. cruises in both. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Anyway. That's off topic.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know this movie was a remake. That's that's interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering how good the uh, if the original is as good. You know,
1: I my my assumption now that you've told me is the original is probably better. But yeah, true. <laughs> I don't know. That's generally how it seems to work. There was something that I thought was a little bit strange about the movie, mm-hmm. and that was because Ray and Claire. Liked each other the whole time. Yeah. And so Claire was engaged to be married when they met. When she came to work in their office in Los Angeles. But her fiancé still lived in New York. And obviously Philadelphia, and Ray, Philadelphia, sorry. So obviously her and Ray still... Or her and Ray had like little crushes on each other. Right. But then the movie skips 13 years. And he said, why... She said, why aren't you married anymore? So presumably he, Ray left. Ray moved to New York. And
0: right. presumably
1: in that time, he got married and divorced. And he said, why are you still married? And I thought that it, I just, I'm not sure. I know it's not the main focus of the movie. And I actually really liked that they just sort of liked each other from a distance. Because the movie would have been bogged down if there would have been any sort of love scene or story between them. Except... I
0: agree big time
1: I don't she said well you know me and Ellis Ellis is her husband understand each other and then later Ray gets beat up and he goes to her house and she's sort of tending to his wounds and her husband comes home and her husband's like oh yeah why didn't he just move in he's been living here for 12 years anyway and I thought I don't know if I believe that somebody could be that obsessed with somebody for 12 years and marry somebody else and be so obsessed that their husband knows about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I actually kind of felt the same way. That kind of bothered me. Like, it, I, I think it makes sense in, in a... If you think about it, like, they liked each other when they first met. But then he left. He moved across the country. She got married. When he came back to Los Angeles, maybe that would reignite feelings then. But for her husband to say... Uh, he's basically been living with us for 12 years anyway uh, what is their relationship like is she that if she's that obsessed with him why did she marry ellis why are they still together why didn't they why didn't her and ray leave together i just think that's really weird i i don't know it's totally off what the movie wants you to think about but i thought that was just
0: i thought a strange... it was weird too no i i actually same boat that you are i was like huh so, obviously, she's talked enough about this guy. He's made enough of an impression to her to keep mentioning him to her husband. Mm-hmm. But my understanding, or my assumption, I guess, is that they have not seen each other during those thirteen years. Right. So it's been a long time. And and he and you know um, and Ray says something too where he says like. He says about his wife she was a great woman she was a saint but the problem was that she wasn't you and I was yeah. just like if you two were so into each other for so long why would you want to be with someone else that wasn't that person you know like yeah. why why why? and not only that but why would you put the person that you are married to through that like why would you do that to them that's not yeah, fair to them they was... don't deserve that <laughs>
1: there was really i guess the reason so nicole kidman claire's character said why didn't you why didn't you ask me to come with you and i thought that's such a, a thin thing like well if he asked me to go i'll go but if not i'll just stay here and be miserable like yeah like both you're not get- <laughs> free adults they could be they could have been together so the unrequited bit after 13 years seemed a little bit too much for me
0: I agree, and I think that if they had not included that, it would have made their story. Um, I don't know. I think they were trying to make it too bittersweet, and I just don't think it should have been that bittersweet. Yeah. You know, it.
1: I think they were like just trying I, to, yeah,
0: like it, they were trying to make it more like romantic, and it, it didn't need that. It it Mm -hmm. wasn't necessary to have that, you know, added on aspect where it's like, okay, so you two have been been like, you know, weirdly obsessed with each other, but not talking about it. And that's healthy or like talking about it too much with your significant other. So that's healthy for your future relationships. Like, and also if they haven't seen each other in 13 years, why haven't either of them moved on?
1: Yeah, (laughs) I was thinking like that's a long
0: time.
1: It's a very long time, and I also think that the movie was trying to illustrate like how much we waste, how much time is just wasted with lack of movement, I guess you'd say, because 13 years of his life are over because he didn't ask her to move to New York with him. Right. So he wasted 13 years of his life, and oh, and also... The reason the daughter was in the location that she got raped and murdered at was because he was supposed to meet the daughter to give her money for a cake for her mom's surprise birthday party. So he's sort of been like beating himself up the whole time because he told her he couldn't meet her.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I thought he I thought her. that. I actually really liked that part.
1: I did personally. too. I didn't think that was. I thought that was a good, like that was good motivation okay, good. for why he. And I'm just saying like the movie illustrated sort of how we can just get stuck and your yeah. life can just get stuck and his is stuck because he feels so he feels responsible for why she right. was in that location to be raped and murdered in the first place.
0: Yeah. When in the reality it was more Seafried's fault because he brought him to the picnic. He brought Mars to the picnic and that's where Marzon first saw Carolyn.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I would say like I mean I'm not saying I'm saying indirectly say like I'm not
0: blaming him but I'm saying like indirectly he's and, more and responsible also, than Ray. Is. Daughter, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, they had a a flashback of the daughter saying to to Jess like, "You know, I I met this guy and I want to go on a date with him, but to go on a date with him, I'd have to skip your company picnic and Jess is like, no, I want you to come to the picnic because you're going to go to college soon and I won't get to see you. So there was a lot of, like, moving parts that sort of brought her and him, her and this other guy, Marzin, to the picnic when she, maybe, if her mom would have said, go on the date with this guy that you know, she wouldn't have been at the picnic. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So there's,
1: like, everybody's sort of blaming themselves, I think. Yeah, I guess really, that's true. the person who's actually, the only person who's to blame is... Marzin, who who actually oh, yeah. did the crime, absolutely. Like he's and you can't ever. I don't think you could ever like put somebody else, somebody's blood on anybody else's hands in this case.
0: No, I I agree with you. I I was just more saying like, I mean, if you're gonna like follow the timeline of what happened, that indirectly. Seafried is more at fault than Ray is. You know what I mean? Like, and I said that before, but like, I don't know. No, and, and I absolutely agree with you. Obviously, these you know people are not responsible for her her death and her rape. It's Marzen. Marzen is one hundred percent the absolute um villain here. You know, right? Um, exactly. I've, so I've been doing a lot of. I was thinking about this last night. I've been doing research on like a, the difference between antagonists and villains and because I think it's I guess I didn't really realize that there's kind of a difference but when I was watching this movie I was like okay so here are the clear lines between antagonists and villains and someone like Seifert is kind of an antagonist and Morales is an antagonist but Marzen's the villain you know
1: okay yeah yeah mm-hmm.
0: and I I don't know I thought it was kind of interesting and it was it was nice to see like the distinctive lines between, um, you know, between like the difference between what is a negative character and what's, um, not as bad of a character or like as, I don't know, not like, not depraved, but like, I don't know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it was, it was, it was interesting Um, but let's talk about the scene where they bring Mars, where Ray brings Marzen in to talk to him and Claire starts provoking him.
1: Oh yeah. So there's right before we get to that scene. So (laughs) they, they, they discover that he's a big fan of the LA Dodgers. Marzen is so Ray and, um, the other cop that we haven't talked about bumpy, uh-huh. they're scoping out Dodgers games and they show them at a, at a Dodgers game standing and looking into the crowd. And one of the fans was like, Hey, sit down. I can't see the game. Hey, sit down. And I thought that whoever made that scene maybe has never gone to a major league baseball game in their life <laughs> because you could never stand up in front of a crowd that long. Cause there's like attendance oh, no. that would tell you to sit. Like one time I went to a baseball game with Mike once in Milwaukee and I stopped on a walkway to take a photo of the field which would maybe take three seconds and somebody was like you can't do that <laughs> you know so i thought whoever made this movie has never been to a baseball game before but anyway so yeah they they no, apprehend well, also, him at the game
0: i thought it was funny that they're at this game did they even know where he was sitting or were they just kind of looking because no.
1: It was like, it was ridiculous because it like fell in their lap that they happened to be in the section that he was sitting in. <laughs> yes, like
0: and so not was only that, so far
1: fetched anyway. This
0: was a packed stadium. Like there, oh were yeah, it was hundreds, maybe thousands of people there.
1: No, I mean, oh, it, there, it was def- there was there probably eighty. There's probably like eighty thousand people there.
0: Yeah, so they happened to be in the section where this guy happens to be in this ginormous stadium. Where there's a million people, they're all wearing the same outfits. Some of them even look the same. I mean, like they mistake some guy. It was, it was you know,
1: ridiculous. That I it was I
0: I couldn't get on board with that part. I was like, eh, that was the that one seems a yeah. little far
1: fetched. The one part of the movie that I I didn't buy was that they would a see him in a crowded baseball game and be stand in front of the crowd for so long at the baseball game. Right. And like, but not anyway. only that,
0: but what if they did spot him and then all of a sudden everyone starts leaving? Like, what are you going to do? You're going to run yeah. through this 80,000 people to mm-hmm. find this guy who's wearing the same outfit that everyone else is. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> sure.
1: You and could do um, that. <laughs> so, so they apprehend him albeit unbelievably, at a baseball game. Well, and and unbelievably,
0: that Bumpy, like, just jumps off, like, the second story. Oh, my gosh. I was like, why would you do that? Why would you, like... You're going to put yourself in more danger, and he's going to get away anyway, and you're going to cause yourself harm, (laughs) like...
1: I thought it was pretty unbelievable that Marzen's character was able to jump down that far. But then that Bumpy followed him. I was like, oh. Well, and Marzen, his like the,
0: fall got the, broken by some poor guy, too. Yeah,
1: some <laughs> person who was carrying expensive concession stand food. Yeah. It all over. <laughs> but poor yeah, so they bring him spent in.
0: Spent <laughs> $100 in concession food and then got his spine all messed up. Like, <laughs> just an innocent party. <laughs> like, poor dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then so then Bumpy jumps down, he easily breaks his leg or whatever he did. He really messed himself up and he messed himself up for the rest of his life too because he his has a cane later. Yeah, um, he has a limp. Yeah. So, I mean, he's I would imagine that he is probably going to experience pain from that injury for as long as he's alive, you know?
1: Yeah, it seems like it.
0: Um, but <laughs> I was just like, "What are you doing?" What are you doing? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. So they bring him in for questioning. And Claire starts to. Claire had ripped a button off of her blouse when Ray had grabbed her. Um...
1: Yeah. Claire wanted to send him home because they didn't have any evidence against him. Yeah. So Ray like grabbed her arm and it ripped her blouse.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. So the (laughs) the the luckiest arm
1: grab of his
0: life. And then um, so they're interviewing Marzen, and well, no, he is, and she comes in, and Marzen is like a fucking hungry dog looking at a steak, like
1: so obviously
0: staring at her. Her breasts, and this like side boob she is going on, you know, from her her like blouse being, um, the button being, you know, popped off,
1: mm-hmm. and I was
0: just like, Marzen, put your tongue back in your mouth, dude, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. just like, and that I it was, awkward I liked that scene though because she was so, she knew like all the things to say to get him like on edge, you know? Yeah. To get him, to get him Yeah. Fire, basically. Exactly. And um and she says something about his dick and and then he just like whips it out. <laughs> yeah, was... she
1: she insults him multiple in multiple ways to yeah. coax an angry con- confession out of him. She's like no, look at this report the like the rape the rape report says that she had injuries that would be given by somebody who was much better endowed, and this kid obviously doesn't have a very big penis. you know she said it in better language, but yeah, and then and so she was just finding different ways to sort of offend him when well, she and said he was he weak, snapped. like yeah. Yeah, He's, like she's like, look at she was she was brutalized, and that takes somebody who's strong, not this little puny guy.
0: Yeah, and then so she insults his dick size, and he whips it out to show them, and then mm-hmm. he seems like he almost is trying to assault Claire.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, like
0: throws her against the desk, and then Ray beats the shit out of him, and but I was just like. I had a feeling the moment that she stepped in that she was going to start or the moment that she started talking to him that she was like, this was all just to get him riled up, you know? Right. And obviously it worked because he's like, oh, you want me to show you what I did to her? Yeah. Um, and they were like, that's it. That's the confession.
1: But then he sl- he slapped Claire. Yeah. Marzen, like, punched Claire and Ray went bananas on him and beat his face up yeah
0: he messed him up and then they let him go why did they let him go again
1: they let him go because he i think what they considered was a confession was very weak and she told ray he has friends in the building he's an informant for these people they're gonna protect him and they did so they let him go
0: yes they did um so and
1: that's when they and that's when they discovered that the van that she'd been raped in was on fire
0: yeah yeah um and that was kind of the first like hint of a romance that we saw this was like in 2002 so yeah that was kind of yeah they were holding hands and that was that was sweet but i mean the fact that like you know the the van was on fire and that was just so upsetting you know, yeah, and
1: yeah, I think that was the that was like the nail in the coffin that told them that, okay, this isn't gonna be easy, we're not gonna be able to catch him. they're not gonna back us up because the terrorism case is too important to this office, yeah, and i I think that's and then also, I think. Here's another another thing. I know that the movie is not about their love story, but it's put in for some reason. And there are aspects of it that I thought were really nice because they were sweet. And there were aspects that really annoyed me. So he said to her, I bet I'm going to get sent back. Because he came from New York, I guess. And he said, I'm going to get sent back to New York. And she, that's when she held his hand. So I'm like, do they actually love each other? Because it seems like they're only making moves on each other when they know that he's going to be leaving town, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what they're... I think he really liked her. but I don't know how much she actually liked him because neither of them were willing to, like, to make an actual move. You know yeah. what I mean?
0: Well, and I think that's, that's kind of what... There, there's a lot of that where you're like, I don't know if she really liked him, you know, like what you said. And then there's that point where, you know, the the husband, Ellis, is introduced and he says, oh, he's been living here for the past 12 years. So you're like, oh, well, she did really like him. But it was just but it's like a back to back to again to what we were talking about. So these people have held a torch for each other for fucking 12 years. Yeah. And um. Like, why not do something? If you're not happy in your marriage, why are you staying with the person that you're married to? That's not fair to them. You know, they could go live their own life, and right. um, and instead, you know, she's they're both just like, no, um, I don't know. Well, we're gonna stay with each other out of convenience. I don't know. It's just,
1: yeah. It, it, I thought it was. It, it had some moments that I thought, okay, you have taking it a little bit too far. Yeah. With this side love story. and
0: Yeah, and if it had been like, we have feelings for each other, but ultimately we know it's not going to work out, it would have been one thing. But it didn't ever seem like that. It was kind of just like, we have feelings for each other, but neither of us are going to admit it. And,
1: yeah. mm-hmm. and I
0: know Ray was obviously doing it out of respect for her because she was engaged, and he said that several times. He said that to Jess and everything.
1: Yeah, um, yep.
0: But, I mean, she clearly, I don't know, it didn't... <sighs> From the moment she mentioned Ellis, it never seemed to me like there was like, oh my God, I'm getting married to like the love of my life. You know, it was never like an excitement. Like she's like, yeah, oh yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm engaged or whatever. You know, like it it just, it was never, it just, it didn't seem like there was any excitement as to the fact that she was engaged where it seems to me like if you're going to marry someone, you should be excited to marry them. And be looking forward to spending your life with them because you love them, not just because right. it's like a marriage of convenience. Because exactly, it's and it's not like if it's not like it's a storyline where like she needs him because she, for some reason, is unable to, you know, do things herself, or she's not she she's just you know like not a good character or something like that. She clearly is a very intelligent woman. She graduated from Harvard, and. Mm-hmm. It and it ends up being the district attorney. So she is a very smart and very good, uh, you know, she's very good at her job. So there's no excuse for her to stay with someone out of convenience because she, like, needed his money or something. It just, it, I don't yeah, know. I, that, I guess that bothered me.
1: It bothers, it because it, I think the only reason... Like one of the main reasons she stayed in Los Angeles cuz she wanted to get the promotion eventually. Right. But they I don't know. I I just think that there it was kind of a weak thread in some parts, especially the 13 years later part where yeah. you learn that they have been just like pining after each other for over a decade.
0: <laughs> That's insane. I mean, Yeah. One or two years, sure, but like a decade, but then like after one or two years, you move on and you meet someone else, and you go, "Oh, I really like them. I want to marry them." You know? Whatever. Yeah. Or like, <laughs>
1: if you don't, then you call that person and you say, "Listen, I really want to be with you. And if they want to be with you, that's cool. And if they don't, then you have to move on." You know? Yeah. And it would
0: like, it would it would have made more sense if maybe he had like throughout the years been coming to Los Angeles, and so they kept seeing each other. But yeah, that didn't but seem didn't. the case at all. Yeah. yeah. And he wasn't even working in. Um, like, the government or, um, you know, the police or anything, he was working for the New York Mets.
1: Yeah, he was, like, so, in the security team yeah. for the New York Mets. So, so
0: it, it's just, I don't know. It, to me, it's, if they had, like, there was no, I don't know if there's any real reason for him to have been working for the Mets in the storyline. Um,
1: I think it's just because he said the badge, He he told Jess like the badge sort of lost its flair for me after everything that happened. Right. He saw sort of like it's not. I don't know if you'd necessarily call it corruption, but it is kind of corruption. He saw sort of the corruption within the system. He saw behind the bail, the behind the veil, basically that their motives were not necessarily justice for all, but they had very clear directives about terrorism and and individual lives maybe didn't matter so much or he felt. So I think that's why he left. Yeah. To work for the Mets. And I think that, that they kind of teased him. um, Seifert kind of teased him about that because it's obviously seen as like a step down from a very prestigious FBI job.
0: Right. Um, but I'm, I'm saying like if he had, if he had kept being in law enforcement, And they'd kept big like he had kept coming back to LA for whatever reason. And so it made sense that him and Claire had kind of like kept holding the torch for each other after thirteen years because they kept seeing each other and their feelings kept getting, you know, reignited. Then that would be one thing. But Mm -hmm. after thirteen years and you're still like, oh my God, I'm still in love with you. It's kind of like, why haven't either of you moved on? Like this is Yeah. And it seemed, especially seemed, it, it didn't seem like there was any actual romance between them, you know? Yeah, Like, it I didn't agree. seem like they ever had sex or anything, so there, it's not that there was, like, that emotional component involved. I don't think they ever kissed. It was just, they just cared about each other. Yeah. It it felt a little, um, not ridiculous, but unrealistic.
1: Yeah, I thought yeah. I thought that the the connection the emotional the emotions that they had for each other when meeting again for the first time in over a decade seemed a little bit strange because it they had been apart and their lives had well, her life had moved on yeah. more yeah. so than his. But but so anyway, so he comes back to Los Angeles because he's been looking through the database of incarcerated men basically
0: right and he thinks
1: that this to find marson's face right and there's a thin i thought that his at the beginning of the movie almost immediately i thought that his reasoning was very flimsy because he shows the pictures to claire and he said i found him i found marson and she said no the nose is different and he said well he probably had a nose job and i thought I knew immediately that that wasn't going to be Marzin because that's a really, I I mean I don't know anything about investigating, but that seems like a really weird thing to be like. No, it's definitely him. He had a nose job, obviously, you know. So did yeah. you think that it was him, or did you think that can't be him? Because I wasn't um, fooled.
0: I thought it was him. I thought it was. I was like, okay. oh yeah, they're the same person, but. And I I think that they did a really good job with the casting. I think that these two men did look a lot alike.
1: I think it's the same... I thought it was the same guy. It's not. Because I looked at the cast list. It's not?
0: No. It's, um... Hold on. I'm looking right now. It is... Oh, yeah. It is the same guy. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so (laughs) I I guess I wasn't wrong. It was the same guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but... Um, when, okay, when he played, when he was playing Marzen, did it look to you almost like he had, almost like his skin was stretched over his bones? Does that make sense? Like, it looked like he had, like, almost like a plastic face? Like I it seemed- thought he had
1: kind of a weird face, both, both of the characters, I thought did you? his face looked, Yeah. I thought he maybe was wearing a fake nose as the rapist version of Marson. Yeah, because it it seemed a little bit bigger. But um, I thought his his skin looked kind of. I I thought he had like an odd look.
0: No right. Matter what? Yeah, he did. I I don't know. As as Marson, I was like, man, this guy has like, he just seems like his skin is stretched over his face, like it's like a plastic, or like a rubber face or something. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um.
1: I can see what you mean.
0: Whereas when he played back with Clay, Clay Backwith, it didn't seem like he looked like that. But then again, you yeah. only see Backwith for like a second. Um, and I think
1: they did. Um, they did doctor him up to look slightly different each time. Yeah. Between the two characters, because they were supposed to look alike, but also not look alike. Right. So yeah. So they found him. They found him at this racing like at a at a horse racing place.
0: Okay, when
1: this is strange. When
0: okay, when he was um when he was mentioned and they said that he was really into horses, was your first thought like sexually because
1: Yes, my mine first was. thought was Ew, what does okay, that? Mean? Too. And then but no, but then the, like they, they chase him and he gets away and one of the stable boys offers to help them because he says i don't like the way he looks at the horses and so yeah. that just sort of like was the i was like okay for sure it's a weird thing like well he
0: like he was standing near one of the horses and he was like talking to it and you couldn't really tell what he was saying but it sounded like he was like coaxing it in like a weird way yeah or i don't know it was weird
1: i thought it that was, was creepy. I don't... That aspect made me really uncomfortable, and I wish that they hadn't put it in. I yeah. I don't like it. I don't well, like it. It wasn't any...
0: necessary, really. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's totally unnecessary. I mean, I think they probably did it to say, "Look at this guy; has unsavory sexual fetishes, so he's definitely a rapist." I think that that was like the thread that they were trying to do. But I I think you can portray that in any other way. Yeah, but I hated it. I hated that connotation. Well, is gross. I don't like I don't like thinking about like cruelty towards animals. And this sounds weird because I don't like thinking about cruelty towards people either, but it's like another it's like next level gross, you know.
0: Yeah, well, it, it's next level gross because these ho- these animals can't understand what's happening to them.
1: Exactly. They And it's not like yeah. they have
0: like horse therapy to go to. You know, yeah. I mean,
1: They can't, it's not like
0: they can, well, like, they can't, I mean, it's true, like, they can't process and deal with their emotions properly, because they don't understand what happened to them, and no one is going to be able to explain what happened to them, because they're a horse, and, and also, if they're trying to show sexual deviancy in, in a person, and trying to be like, no, he's definitely a rapist, I felt like the fact that he was into horses wasn't the way to go, because just because he's a sexual deviant towards animals does not mean that he's going to be that way towards women or men. Right, exactly. You know, like, in fact, I I think that would have been the opposite where he wouldn't have been into humans and he would have only been in to animals. So his sexual deviancy deviancy wouldn't have been that he wanted to assault people. It would have been that he just wants to, you know, he wants to get all – like, friendly with a horse, and...
1: Yeah, and if you have readily available horses, you'd have no need to worry about people, either. Right. That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, and also,
0: if he is into bestiality, then he's not going to find a release through people. He's going to find a release through animals.
1: Yeah. And
0: yeah. so that didn't seem like it was really necessary as much as it was just to kind of gross you out. Um, right.
1: So they find him again, and after the horse thing, he gets away. After the stables thing, he gets away. Yeah. But they find him again in, like, this chop shop. Yeah. And this is where it sort of, like, starts getting crazy. So, <laughs> so yes. Ray is by himself, and he's followed Mars into this chop shop. And Bumpy is on the way with... Um, Seaford. Another. Yeah. Seaford. Seaford. As backup for him. And Jess comes as well. But. Right. So Ray gets beat up pretty badly before they show up. And then when they show up, there's like a a shootout and Seaford is killed. Yep. And
0: then. I have to say. I didn't feel terribly sorry that he died. I was kinda like, hmm.
1: I did because six. he died. I did because at the end you find out that he died for nothing. I mean, I know that he, he his character had bad behavior, but it really was sort of like, oh man, he didn't even have to be there.
0: No. He died
1: he died for in that instance he died for nothing. Obviously he his character did some pretty unforgivable things, but, uh, you know, but yeah. So then, um, Ray and Claire go to Jess's house, which is out in the country. Yep. And they're sort of chatting where they're trying to be like, what should we do? You know, the, we don't have any evidence on this guy, so they won't arrest him. Obviously, even though I know he's Marzin. and then Jess says, I know for a fact he isn't Marzin because I killed Marzin. yeah 13 years ago
0: and I and I thought that was a twist ending by the way so I was like oh I was like (laughs) oh okay like I kind of was like not surprised by it like I was like yeah I kind of expected that you know so yep that's the point where I was like a little disappointed because I was like oh that was a twist ending (laughs) you know like I was like uh (laughs) when you
1: think it's a twist It wasn't the twist.
0: But it wasn't. (laughs) So then (laughs) then you're
1: sort of wading through these emotions of like, so this whole time we've been chasing this guy that isn't Marzen and you know it because you killed him and Seifert died. Yeah. Because we thought we had a lead, you know. And then they they leave and, and Claire and Ray, Claire says, you know, I have some things to think about because Jess obviously confessed to murder. So Claire right. has to decide, are we going to prosecute her or not? Because Jess said, I buried his body in my garden. And then Ray goes back to Jess's house to talk to her. And I'm not really sure his motivations. Do you think he suspected what was going on? Because why I would he go he back? I think he did. Yeah, okay. I think he
0: did. Because he kept going through like different things that she said in his mind um, that I think like kind of triggered something like, no, something's not right here. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, cause yeah, it's been 13 years, but he has like, he still has the mind of a cop, you know? And yeah. Um, and
1: she had said, like, she had said, if, if I kill him, he dies. And then we had, you know, like he doesn't get to, he doesn't suffer for his crimes. He's just dead. Yeah.
0: And she said something like, I would spend the next 50 years in prison and I'd just be envying him the whole time.
1: Yep. And
0: she says like it'd be a life sentence. And there's that was a that was a big thing that kept being brought up was the life sentence thing.
1: Yeah. Because mm-hmm.
0: then it's revealed that Marzen has actually been alive this entire time and has been in a cage in her like
1: Oh my gosh little so
0: farmhouse or whatever. I don't know what yeah. it was, but and um
1: Yeah, so he's been He's been so living he's in the been cage there, of her little barn.
0: And I'm not sure how many times she'd let him out to like wash or. Well, I, I. That's. And I was thinking that a lot was I was like, this guy's filthy. He's like, the top of his hair is balding, probably falling out from stress. Um,
1: his arms looked. His body looked so crooked. Like he hadn't yeah. been out in 13 years. Like he'd been in that cage. Well, and he, like, could else. barely
0: stand. He couldn't, like, really hold the tray very well of food. Yeah, um, he
1: couldn't, like, stretch his arms or hands out all the way.
0: Yeah, and and she was doing this all while just ignoring him. Like, feeding him, but not looking at him, not talking to him. And he begs Ray... Please have her, like, please have her talk to me.
1: Yeah. Can you ask her to talk to me? So you are assuming that she hasn't said one word to him or looked at him in 13 years.
0: And I think, and that honestly was the part that disturbed me most of all. And obviously I can never, I mean, hopefully (laughs) I should say, hopefully I will never be in a situation where I'll be like in solitary in prison But I cannot. I've been thinking about that actually a lot lately because of the whole quarantine and social distancing thing. Because I have felt depression over the last couple weeks because I have not been out socializing with my friends and I miss them.
1: Yeah. And, you know,
0: like, and I miss you. Like, I haven't seen you in like, I see you every day. And I'm like, fuck, I miss Sam. I haven't (laughs) seen her in so long. And I know. I'm like, I, like, and, and I just, I just felt so sad over the situation. Like I know he was a bad person, but I felt so much empathy towards this guy that like I just it just made me so sad that like yeah, he did a horrible thing, but does he deserve to be like to be ignored? To be Yeah,
1: he's still I mean, he's still a human being. Yeah I know that, that and I'm not I'm not justifying anything. I'm not saying that what he did, I, I'm just, he did horrible things, but he's still a human being.
0: Exactly. And there,
1: it's, it's a, it's an, it's an interesting line that you sort of tiptoe around, like, what do I, you know?
0: Well, and yeah. The right answer? Exactly. And I think that, I think that is what ultimately made the story so interesting was that, there's a lot of moral qualms in this movie and Mm -hmm. also, and then the ending is like, just, it kind of just punches you in the gut. You know, it's like you don't expect it happening, but then you see this guy who, um, who like, so I I was trying to like view it also from Jess's perspective that to her, this is justice to her having this guy, you know, lose like slowly lose his mind and be tortured psychologically because she's like not even acting like he exists, um, is is justice to her, but it's just it's just heartbreaking. Because like what you said, you're right, he is a human being and ultimately does he deserve to get that kind of treatment um because that's considered cruel and unusual. You know, I mean that's that's against the law. Obviously holding someone hostage for 13 years is like really against the law. But yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was very interesting. It was a very interesting perspective from both sides where I a lot of my I, I felt a lot of empathy for both characters because it being in both situations, having your daughter who is, you know, your world be brutally murdered but, and then having the ability to in your eyes, get justice for your daughter's murder by holding her, um, you know, her murderer hostage.
1: Yeah. And, and he said, uh, Ray's character did say, you know, a life sentence you're giving him and yourself a life sentence. Like she has to face him. I mean, maybe not. Maybe she doesn't actually face him, but she still has to deal with him every day of her life.
0: Yeah, Exactly. You know?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's like she's got to clean up after him, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, essentially, like, I'm assuming she would let him out every now and then to take a shower. Or she'd hose him down or something. But yeah. um, I'm assuming she probably wouldn't let him out of the cage. I would guess it'd be more like a hose down situation. But yeah, either probably. way, I mean, she's going to have to deal with him. You know, if he gets sick, if he. And you know that there's got to be certain points in time where he was, like, probably banging his fist against the bars going, like, please just talk to me. Just talk to me. You know, like, right. I'm yeah. I'm begging you, you know, and, and, and I mean, uh, uh, that's what they say. like, the si- Yeah. Like, that's what they say, like, the silent treatment is a form of abuse because yeah. mm-hmm. you're so frustrated and you're like, just talk to me. Why can't you talk to me? And it's. You know, it's, it is, it's abusive. And, but it just, it was so, it was just, to me, it was such a terrifying situation. It was such a scary and sad situation. And then it seems like she, she just, she kills him. Like, you know, Ray leaves her the gun. Yeah,
1: Ray leaves, Ray is, he makes sort of the definitive choice. He sets a gun down and walks out of the room. Yeah, and starts digging and basically starts digging a grave, right? And just and pulls the trigger.
0: Yeah, and that's it. That's the whole, mm-hmm. and then it ends. And uh, I mean that, like, I, I actually, so I was, I when I got home, I was kind of freaked out. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was like, I was, I was feeling really anxious, and I was like, that movie really weirded me out. Like, I was really disturbed by the ending. Um, I felt like it settled like a stone in my stomach you know I, I just I I felt very I felt very saddened by the ending I thought it was a very good ending though
1: yeah it, I agree. it
0: was so unexpected I don't did you see it coming when you first saw this movie
1: no I didn't I I think I knew that she might have killed him
0: yeah, same.
1: But I did not see it coming that he was her captive.
0: <laughs> yeah, big time. I, I when they said that, she, when she was like, oh, I killed him, I was not surprised. I was like, okay, that makes sense. But yeah, yeah when she held him captive, I was like, what? Whoa. Um, yeah. Okay. And I almost
1: think, I almost think, I know that this is weird, but fighting fire with fire you think he's a terrible person because he raped and murdered your daughter, but you're not that much better than him. No.
0: No. Definitely. Well, and, no. And I, and I think that's what makes again this movie so interesting is that there's so yeah. much moral ambiguity. What yeah. is right and what is wrong? Like, and
1: taking justice into your own hands in that way, aren't you just being exactly what you claim what he you is hated. like you're yeah. you're a monster you're being a monster just like him. oh
0: yeah big time and mm-hmm. and almost and you could almost say that what she did was more monstrous than what he did you know Yeah. like yes he assaulted someone and he took her life but she held him captive and then psychologically broke him down until he was nothing
1: right you know? exactly and
0: i mean that's just uh, this, it, I, yeah. I mean, I, so, okay. would you recommend this movie?
1: I would. I think if you, if you like crime stories and you like thrillers, well, I don't know if it's a thriller necessarily, but if you like crime stories, I would, I would recommend it. I think it's, yeah. it's well done.
0: I think so too. You? You I, know? yep, I would totally, I would definitely recommend it. I think it's, I mean, I think really just the romance was, Kind of just an iffy part, but honestly was not mm-hmm. that big of a deal for me. Definitely yeah. in no, in no way a deal breaker. Um, yeah. And the cast is awesome. You know, I mean, Nicole Kidman is always a tour de force. She's great. Um,
1: <laughs> I was just thinking the other day that I wanted... To do something that somebody called a tour de force.
0: A tour de force. Tour de <laughs> yeah, force.
1: Yeah, I was like, I just want everything always... in my life to be called a tour de force.
0: That's my... <laughs> <laughs> she was a tour de force. I always yeah. love that. I always love that saying. Um, like, I always like coup de gras. You know, like the coup de gras was whatever. The, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, to, like tour de force and coup de gras, kind of like the same, like are on the same level to me. Like, I'm like, yes, <laughs> for both of those things. So... Um, And, you know, the performances were awesome. Everyone's great. It's I yeah, I would definitely recommend it. I think it's a good movie. I think it's worth it's worth Mm -hmm. people's time.
1: And it is on Netflix. So yes, for however long we're stuck at home, you can if you have Netflix, you can watch it.
0: Yep. So forever how long we're stuck at home. That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing shows that are or movies that are accessible to our audience. Because obviously, none of us can go to the movie theater right now, which is a bummer because I love going to the movie theater. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I also don't want to get Corona.
1: So, find us on Spotify. Instagram,
0: yep. Oh, find us on Spotify. We're on Google Play now because I checked. Yay! Oh, sweet.
1: Awesome.
0: We're on Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes. You know, if you guys could please leave us five stars on, on iTunes, it helps us get out there it helps us get noticed um, I do my best to promote the Instagram but there's only so many people you can reach on there so yeah I mean we're you know if you have any recommendations please contact us at watchersofmovies at gmail.com and thank you to Mike for our music
1: yes thank you
0: Yeah. and oh we're on Facebook too yes <laughs> <All> <laughs> until right. next time until next time Bye-bye. Bye.